Welcome to The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Today, as part of our family, you will experience the life-changing and spirit-nurturing Word of God. Please enjoy this time with us as we're committed to helping you grow in knowledge, grow in faith, and grow in God. St. Mark Baptist Church, you grow here. Well, welcome back to the Growth Factor podcast, a broadcast ministry of the St. Mark Baptist Church here in Little Rock, Arkansas. My name is Pastor John. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at St. Mark, and I'm joined by our senior pastor, Dr. Philip L. Pointer, Sr. And we are continuing a series that we're calling Make It Make Sense. We've been helping you all learn how to study the Bible, not just for information, but we want to move you towards transformation Mm -hmm. and to help you all understand what the word of God says uh, in context so that we not out here in these streets uh, doing the word of God wrong. So I want to make sure that that we uh, help the folks in terms of word studies. We've uh, covered last week how to conduct the word study Mm -hmm. and we gave them some homework to be able to do that and we want to dive into some of that this week and I specifically chose this because I think some people need some joy and need to be able to rejoice in this season so I think that this text is going to be helpful for all of us and I know you all have already done all of this and you could actually probably sure. do this episode yourself. Yeah, they they teach themselves. If they were <laughs> if they were with uh you and Pastor T last week, man, look, they got it. So so that's just you know, but just in case. Just in case just in case one or two persons weren't present. And you might need a little bit of help. We're yeah. here to help you with that. So yeah. let's let's go ahead and dive into how uh, to conduct the word study around the words joy and rejoice in Philippians chapter number one. Now, I think we should review and talk about the process of doing so so that yeah. people uh, continue to get that ingrained in them as they look to do a word study. And as I mentioned last week, I don't think that we should conduct word studies on every word in a text because <laughs> it will take forever. But there are key keys to be able to understand how to go about conducting a word study. Yeah. And, and I, I want to say a couple of things about about word studies, Pastor John. One is. Um, our translators have done a pretty good job over the years. Um, God has gifted the church with people who do scholarship Mm -hmm. as a passion, as a calling for a living. And we have pretty good translations. I mean, these, I mean, this is this to to take a, um, a language like the Hebrew or the Greek or the Aramaic at times, um, and to and to port it over into um, 21st century communication, mm. we have a, we've done a good job. However, there are some things that are not easily mm. translatable, and that's why word studies are are important. I also want to uh, say, and I want to give people confidence in the Bible that they hold in their hand um, in a lot of ways because. Um, there, there are elements of word study. We're, we're giving a kind of a devotional, um, um, spiritual discipline aspect, but there are scholarly levels of this, you know, etymological study or the etymology of a word or how words come to be uh, in the same way that um, the way we use goodbye is not the way the word came to be. The word 
goodbye comes from God be with you. We don't mean that when we say goodbye. Because that's why we be like, bye. We don't mean, <laughs> we don't mean be with you when sometimes we say it like that. Sometimes ain't no God in any yeah, of that. Yeah, ain't no, ain't no God going on. But that's how the word came to be. So scholars, you look at those things, and then they do uh, what are called diachronic studies, which speak about how the word was used outside of the New Testament, mm-hmm. um, especially around the Greek or, or other documents. Because we've got a body of Greek writings. Uh, the New Testament is written in what's called Koine Greek, K-O-I-N-E, which is common mm-hmm. Greek, but there's a more formal form of Greek called Attic, A-T-T-I-C, Greek, Attic, mm-hmm. Greek. And so the, there are scholars who do that kind of laborious work so that when we recommend a resource yeah. for you to do a word study in, I want you to know that they're not making this up. There's a deeper level of scholarship that informs the resources we're giving you that allow you to do the studies for devotional purposes that we're talking about Mm. on your own so you can understand the Bible and understand it so that you can be transformed by it. So I want to get that in right now. When we're talking about word studies and we give you these resources, you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of years of scholarly work Mm. to bring out these definitions, these concepts, these to understand the the phrases and and how they are used at times colloquially, like mm-hmm. I haven't seen you in a million years. We've talked about those kinds of things in other parts of this study, that it's it's colloquial. It doesn't mean literally one million. It means a long time. So mm-hmm. um, I, I want us to get that in on the top end of this of yeah. this discussion tonight. Yeah, and I think that reiterates another point that we made last week, which was the uh, importance of reading inside out, mm-hmm. uh, making sure you start with the text itself and yeah. then read outward towards uh, other passages that the author has written, mm-hmm. uh, new, other New Testament passages, go out to the Old Testament. Now, we stopped there, but because you mentioned it, we have to make sure people know that there, there were other people who were writing in this language <laughs> yes. in the first century yes. and the Greek and in the other culture as well. And so there are other sources outside of Scripture mm-hmm. that could possibly help understanding yeah. the nuances of the word. But for the purposes of our study, I think it's good for us to kind of stop at the canon of Scripture. For yeah. Sure. yeah. And, and what, what we're talking about when I speak about the diachronic, for instance, you have Greek um, philosophers mm-hmm. who they or their students wrote down some of the principles or the ideas uh, or, or Greek tragedies and, and plays and things of those natures that if a phrase appears in Paul's writing and then Plato and then Aristotle and then in in uh, Oedipus <laughs> in that play. And if that phrase is used similarly similarly across these varying types of writing, yeah. then that's what, that's what we're going to say Paul was using it for as well, because that's that would culturally be mm-hmm. what it means. Now, we're not trying. I'm not trying to tell you to go <laughs> <No>. <laughs> read the Iliad. Don't don't go read Homer's Iliad and think, oh, I need to know this in order to, right. to read the New Testament and do word study. No, 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 no. That's what the scholars. That's why I'm saying they've done that foundational work right. so that we can do this heart work. Yeah. Uh, of understanding the scripture as it is. And, and what we've given you here is more, more than yeah, enough. Yeah, it's a lot. If you more, did the homework, you know. <laughs> more than enough. Yeah, you did the homework, you know. Yeah, yeah. So let's reiterate what, what they're 
what they've been going through, which is starting with the English translation of the text. And last week we mentioned this. We said that it's not good to start with the English definition. You don't go to Merriam-Webster <laughs> no. to find out what a word means. That's not going to work. No. So a good way to go about it is to start with your English translations. We gave them four last week, which was NASB, NIV, ESV, and NLT. They kind of help you understand the words. Now, where translators use different words, that's where they're not so sure how to translate it into our cultural understanding, which mm-hmm. would be a good word for a word study, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think um, when you see different words or different phrases in different translations, um, you're seeing different, sometimes different intentions or at times different opinions. So mm-hmm. the New Living Translation is more paraphrased than translation. It's trying to give you the sense of the writing rather than a word-for-word translation of the writing, yeah. uh, whereas NIV, ESV, NASB, and John, I'm old. I still think there's some value in reading the old King James or the new King James. <laughs> um, but 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 all of those things, uh, and that's just my that's my old foggy Black Baptist preacher stuff going on in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but but th- those translations are trying to give you the translation of the. Mm-hmm sentence or the phrase or the word. Um, so you want to read all of them. You want to get a sense of them. And again, 90-some percent of the New Testament, a large, overwhelmingly large amount of it, um, and even the Old Testament, the, the scholars, translators agree. Even if they word the sentence differently, they agreed that this is what the word means. This is what the sentence means. Yeah. Uh, so you're not talking about trying to figure out Oh, God, the Bible, I don't know what, what the Bible means. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's overwhelming about how much agreement there is, but there are spaces where there are nuances or things are said different ways because they could be understood different ways. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's yeah. good. Yeah, you. I think you redeemed our uh, conversation last week around the King James because I think a couple of people might have uh, burned theirs up after we. Oh talked no, about man! <laughs> Listen, grand, Granddad said it sound more like God to me. <laughs> it's just, it's just antiquated in the way it it translated. That's all yeah, it is. It yeah. ain't, it ain't bad. It's just not recent. Right. <laughs> it's old. <laughs> So we're reading in different translations, yep. and then we're also counting the frequency of certain words. Mm-hmm. Now, for this particular assignment, we gave them the words they're going to be counting the frequency of, but you would do that in the text itself. So that's part of our slow down, read the text, make mm-hmm. sure you're reading all the words, and then where words tend to appear and reappear, yeah. those are going to be good words for word studies. And, and I want to I add a very, very critical element to this that I don't think any of us should overlook. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all know I'm paper Bible safe. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I think, but you can't do this well unless you have a Bible as big as Pastor John's Bible. If you don't have a Bible, can we can we see Pastor? John? You need this this cinder block of a Bible in order to do. <laughs> we were joking before we started tonight because. I decided I, to bring my super spiritual Bible I told, today. I, I told, I told him, me, I in, love ni- the Lord. in 1994, if you didn't have a Bible that big, you weren't really saved. You, <laughs> But I'm, I'm, I'm joking, but I am saying that it's good to do that physically. I mean, mm-hmm. some of you are tech-savvy people, so you underline in your Bible app or something like that or in your notes um, and highlight. But for a lot of us, a good old pen on a highlighter yeah. help you do that um, so that you come to the Bible to study the Bible like you're coming to study something. 
Um, good study habits are helpful, especially in this way, and it's transformative for your soul. So when you start underlining a word or highlighting it in a certain color, I'm on, every time I see joy, I'm highlighted in blue. And every time I see rejoice, I'm highlighted in, in yellow. Mm. When I do that, now every time I go to that passage, now I've studied it once, but every time I go to that passage when I just need it for devotional purposes, I just need some joy today, mm. I can go to that passage and say joy, joy, joy. God must be speaking to me about joy today mm. because everywhere there's blue in in Philippians 1, yeah. there's a there's joy there for me, mm. you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I think not just counting them and noting them, putting it on a piece of paper that you're going to throw away, mm. but it's all right to write in your Bible. There's no problem yeah. with that. And some of y'all need to go on and order a, a physical <laughs> Bible for that purpose, you know. Yeah, I think so too. And I think you gave them a, an amazing tip because when you approach Bible study, you got to make sure you're writing it down because you don't want to do all that work over again. Like if you've already read the text and you've already saw some words that stuck out to you, then the next time you read it, you may get something else out of it. But at the same time, you ha will have done the work to be able to have worked through that already. Yeah. And it happens when they ask us questions. Yeah. Um, they, 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 they'll come, Pastor P, what do you think about this? Pastor John, what do you think about this? Uh, Pastor T, da, 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 da. And we can rattle it off where we've done it. Mm-hmm more than a few times so it's ingrained within us to be able to answer a biblical question about a passage that we may not have looked at this year i, I haven't read haggai this year but you asked me a question about it i probably have a reasonable answer for it mm -hmm. uh, somewhere in the vicinity of what that means yeah. because we've done the work over and over again and that's what that's what study is it, it, it's with all things my dad always said repetition breeds retention the more you do it the more you know it that's good yeah 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 so we are looking at words that appear several times, and then also we're going to look at words that appear just once because mm -hmm. many of those are important as well. Absolutely. Uh, you know, last week Pastor T said, you know, your mama used to tell you she used to repeat herself to make sure something was important. But mm -hmm. there are times where she says something one time. I'm only going to say this one time. <laughs> <laughs> you better get it that first time. Right, exactly. And the Lord is the same way. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to give it to you one time. One time. Yeah, yep. You better get it this time. So. Look for words that appear once or words that appear multiple times. And we had given you all the resources to be able to do that. Uh, the concordance, which are Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. We talked with you last week about the numbering system in there. And hopefully you all were able to go to Bible Gateway or Blue Letter Bible and check out the concordance entries for the words that we gave you all today. Because there's a plethora yeah. of entries for both of them. I want to be very clear about these resources, uh, Pastor John. Look, if anyone has seen my library, you know I'm I'm into books like that. I got all kind of I got the concordance of all concordances. I mean, you know, got the strong. We got mm -hmm. have all kinds of resources. I still every week mm -hmm. for both my personal devotional study and my sermon prep use Blue Letter Bible. Yeah, yep. I I use that. So it's don't think that we're giving you junior. No. <laughs> B team resources. <laughs> These are resources that we actually use and, you know, got software. There's a software called Logos that yep. costs a whole lot of money that we've invested in. But we, I still use free online mm -hmm. resources as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, so these are serious resources that you can just go to. You, I think Blue Letter, Blue Letter has an app or something it like does. that yep. um, that you can just have with you. Uh, on your phone, on your device. So I, 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 I recommend making those a regular part of your devotional life as well. 
this is so this is the part that is really probably the most frustrating in terms of helping people to better understand text because 25 30 years ago oh yeah now the work that they would have had to done in order mm-hmm. to better understand the text yeah is so much more strenuous tough they'd have to go to the actual physical resources but we have so much yeah. at our disposal these yeah. days so we want to make sure we're giving you all those online resources and use them yeah because we do yeah, absolutely we use them all the time absolutely absolutely <laughs> many many i'm literally every week <laughs> i use several online resources in addition to the paid for software and the books um and so those they, and they give you a great great grasp of I, I t- when i teach preachers john i teach them that there's no excuse um, for m- missing it with a text because you, without investing in books, which you should do mm-hmm. as a preacher, there's so many resources online for free mm-hmm. that can that can get you to what a text means and allow the Holy Spirit to develop the sermon from there. So that's yeah. that's you have those same things right at your fingertips. Yeah, and we gave you resources this week for you to be able to understand what these words mean, not just here in this text in Philippians, but also in all of scripture. So we told you all to read inside out. We told you to start in Philippians one, look at the way Paul uses it in Philippians, look at the way Paul uses it in his uh, writings throughout the New Testament, and then also New Testament, Old Testament usage. So hopefully, uh, you spent about 45 hours working on that <laughs> and you are good to go right. this week, but we're going to dive right into that. But I, I, first I want to just talk about some of the questions that we did say that they should be asking Yeah, because this goes back to our piece talking about it fitting in the larger biblical story. Yes. So you need to ask the question, how does this word connect with the larger biblical story? You always have the big picture in mind. Even when you're as granular as working working at it from a word study level, mm-hmm. you're always looking at what does this mean in the big picture of Scripture? What does this word joy mean? What does this word righteousness mean? Which is important in the big picture, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's 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 one of the great stumbling blocks. Hmm. the The convenience of Scripture has become, for many, a stumbling block. The fact that we have chapters and verses where we can take a verse out of its context or take a word out of its context Mm. or even take a passage of scripture out of its biblical context hurts so many people when they try to study and understand the Bible. You have to understand and grasp the larger story of scripture. That God is working on a big old redemptive plan Hmm. that, you know, the Bible. And again, I hit these all the time because I want them to become second nature and instinctive for us. That the Bible reveals God Hmm. and God's holiness and God's requirement for holiness from us. That it reveals our inability to meet that standard. And therefore, we are justly condemned without Christ. It reveals our need for Christ. Then it reveals that Christ has come. It predicts Christ, and then it presents Christ. Mm. Christ is coming, Christ is coming, then Christ has come, and now Christ is coming again. And those, it it calls for a response. What are we to do with it? We are to believe, and we are to follow. And then how are we to follow? What does it look like to live? That's Mm. the large story of Scripture. That's the big big what of Scripture. And... Once we get get that, when we start doing word studies, 
that big picture has to always be in my head. Mm-hmm. Always. Is this revealing something about God? Is it revealing something about my inability to meet the standard of God? Is it revealing something about who Christ is and what Christ has done? Mm-hmm. Is it revealing something about how I am to live as a believer in Christ? That That's the big thing so that now I can get down into the T90 bits of words and phrases and meanings without going errant in my doctrine and theology mm. because a phrase I can take it to mean this that's good. but that's not what it means because the larger story of scripture informs that that's not it so yeah how does it connect with the larger biblical story that's man we won't understand any of it if we don't understand that part yeah that's true that's the critical question from the jump that's good and then we also have to ask the question what does this author mean for this word in this particular circumstance? Right now. <laughs> like right here in this situation, how is he or he using this word? Yeah. And if you are reading it through a lens of another author, mm. you're saying, hey, this is what Matthew would say. Mm. Well, Paul might not be saying that. It that ain't way. the same. He ain't talking it because he ain't talking to them folk and they're not in that same situation. Not in the same situation. So all I hope you all are seeing how all of this connects. Yeah. All the stuff that we've been talking about, cultural context, the audience, the author, now even the words mm-hmm. connect with all the other pieces that we've been putting together. Big picture, author, audience, atmosphere, all that stuff yeah. really does connect. Yeah, and I mean, we we think about it colloquially with, with phrases we use, you know, we, well-worn are these examples to say, mm-hmm. um, man, John, that's a bad shirt. It's a compliment. <laughs> but then if I come back and say, John, you got some bad tires on your car. That's it's a word different. of warning. You know it's what I'm totally saying? I, yeah, that's those are same word. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and the context determines what that word means. It can be something to comfort you or it can be a word of warning with just using the same word. And I cannot then connect. Proof texting is, is one of the things. I can't then connect those two statements <laughs> in any way because they don't have anything to do with each other. Mm-hmm. He can have on a bad shirt and still have on bad tires. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's right. You know, and it doesn't, it doesn't mean that either one has anything to do with the other one. Um, just because the word is the same doesn't mean that they connect. Mm-hmm. So I can't just go find all of the righteousness <laughs> words in the concordance and say all of these texts mean the same thing because yeah. they don't. That's good. They don't. That's yeah. good. And I think you all gave an example last week of that. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about righteousness. And so this week we're going to, we're going to do the example that we gave you all. And we're going to talk about joy and talk about rejoicing. Now, before we get into that, I hope y'all realize that they're cousins. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. If this was a family tree of, of words, Joy and rejoice are going to be related. They're going to be cousins. And we're going to talk about how we determine what type of words are cousins because they share something in common. Just like a family shares blood roots, uh, words are going to be able to share something in common in order for them to be cousins of one another. Mm -hmm. So let's jump into talking about joy. But first, I think we need to provide some context because, first of all, this is probably my favorite book from Paul. Mm. and I, as a, as a young Christian, as I read it, I never really connected it with Acts 16. Ah, uh, yeah. And I don't think that a lot of people understand that when he's writing these letters, he's writing them in connection with experiences that he's, he's had, had with historically mm-hmm. with these people. And guess what? They were recorded mm-hmm. in the book of Acts. Yeah. 
So always, when you read one of Paul's letters, make sure you go and look at cross-references that we talked about earlier, and you're going to see cross-references to Acts chapter 16, and we learn a few things about Paul. Uh, what do we learn about Paul before we hop into this, this Philippians text? <laughs> well, we, in Acts, you come on the back end of Paul's split with Barnabas in Acts 15, mm-hmm. which I think is critical to understanding Acts 16. So, you know, the famous experience is Paul and Silas going to be in jail, but it's Paul and Silas when it would have been pa- Paul and Barnabas, yep. but they've had this rift. Mm-hmm. John, this is a this is an interesting character study when you look at Paul post rift. Mm. There is a a softening yep. that happens to his heart. You know, he's still got that Pharisee in him <laughs> on that first missionary journey. You know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. rules and rules and rules. Yep. You know, yep. and 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 a bit and could be considered a bit rigid. Um, but but he seems to value relationships. Mm a great deal mm. by the time he gets to feel by it seems yeah, it does. Uh, the way he, the way he connects with Silas and then we're going to connect with Luke Lit- and then we're going to connect with Timothy mm-hmm. and he starts mentoring and then the affection that he's going to write about in, in this passage to the, to the church. Um, there is a love, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Having, having his heart broke, seems to make his heart open. I mm. wish I had time tonight. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He, he doesn't he doesn't become defensive. He he actually seems to become more accepting. And that's the so the interesting thing is like the rift, even with the rift that he had with Barnabas, it would seem that he learned something from the spirit that Barnabas carried. Mm-hmm. That even though we've disagreed, he had an impact on my life so sure. much so that even though I wanna get rid of John Mark Later on, mm-hmm. he, he tells, says, bring him on. Tell, he, tell John he, Mark, come on, because I need he, he's, he's needful. Useful for, yeah, yeah, need, yeah, I need yeah needful yeah. for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we even see Paul bringing something to the table from Barnabas, even if he disagrees with him. They had a, a fight. They, uh, like, they had to split up. The word, <laughs> we're not word studying this, but the word in the Greek is is like this, like they nose to nose Yeah. Uh, at the end of Acts chapter 15. Like they finna go at it mm-hmm. like they're getting ready to go to blows at the end of chapter 15. That's the, that's the strength of the word. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a real argument and we never see them come back together nope. in, in acts. We don't see them come back together. We do know that Paul acquiesces to Barnabas's mm-hmm. um, position on John Mark later on. Cause he writes and says, uh, come. so, so we see that coming into as he enters Philippi. Mm. He's fresh off of this, yep. this thing. Yeah, yep, yep, yeah. Yep. So he's he's writing this specific letter. It's one of his uh, jail epistles. So mm-hmm. he's writing this from from jail, and most scholars believe from Rome, right? Yeah. And he's writing it to the church at Philippi, but I think it's important for us to understand some of the people who are there, mm-hmm. and specifically one person who is there, which really colors what we see here in this particular passage because we have we have Lydia mm-hmm. uh who is someone who is having a Bible study on the beach. Right. <laughs> when yeah. when Paul shows up and she's a, f- a seller of purple linen. She is someone who is a businesswoman in that culture. She is white collar as they get. Mm-hmm. Um and then we have She got it. <laughs> she got she, it. She rolling. She rolling. <laughs> she got it. So so then we have this slave girl, this mm-hmm. this girl who um 
who shows up and, and Paul ministers to her as well. Mm-hmm. And then finally, there's the Philippian jailer, which mm-hmm. is the famous passage everybody knows about Paul and Silas. At, at, at midnight, and Paul and they that, pray. That midnight text, man, people just jack it up so much, but <laughs> <laughs> people love it. So yeah, They were praying already. They didn't start at midnight. That's a whole nother thing. Yeah, it wasn't a midnight prayer. No. And then something happened no. two seconds later. No, they, they were praying. <laughs> yeah. Overnight is what they were doing, praying and singing overnight. And and then so so the Lydia and her household, Lydia has some means and some some particular wealth. Um the Philippian jailer was a person of high standing, mm. um, of some note, given that he was a part of the Roman um uh um army. Um and then you have this intermingling of 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 people who were Jewish by nature uh, or by by, um, uh, by nationality rather and then pro- there were some proselytes people who were Greeks who were studying with Lydia about the God of the of the Jews God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob and then you have just some Greeks who were then just converted uh, so you got kind of a mixed group of people here the thing about Philippi is that it was a city that was pretty significant at one time it was you know, of course, Alexander the Great's dad was Philip of Macedon. This is in a region called Macedonia. It's named after him. Um, and there's a period in their history when the Roman soldiers were paid in salt. Mm-hmm. Um, the word we get is salary from that. They were paid in salt. And um, Philippians donated salt, basically, so that the um, uh, Romans could pay their soldiers. Well... They had this ebb and flow economically, and at this time, economically, it ain't it ain't flowing. It's kind of ebb. Right. It's, it's in the ebb. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you have a f- few people there with some means. Macedonia, as a region, is not very prosperous right now, mm. and Philippi is suffering from the same kind of economic uh, effects that that's going on. So you have that happening, which is why the anger in Acts chapter 16 of the people who owned the slave uh, enslaved young lady who was basically telling fortunes mm-hmm. uh, because she had a, a, a spirit of divination or some kind of um, um, unholy spirit that was allowing her to do this. This is why they were so upset because they would, they would making pretty good money off of her. Mm-hmm. They were doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the context in which we find this text written. And so uh, we know that the Philippian jailer was converted uh, his family, family is converted as well mm-hmm. uh, because of that experience in the jail. When the jail opened and Paul and Silas could have left, they stayed there and they actually ministered to this jailer and he became a believer. Yeah. And, so, and in fact, all of the prisoners stayed. Yeah. Yeah. So so now he's writing to this community. That group. That includes such a eclectic mix of folks. Yeah. Uh, blue collar, white collar, uh, somebody who was formerly uh, magicians, somebody who was, <laughs> right. who was in the cards. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just an eclectic mix of people. But now he's in jail again. And, and imagine was always going to jail, <laughs> always in jail, <laughs> always all, locked up. All, all the heroes of the faith were fugitives. Man, Joseph was in oh, fugitives and felons. Joseph was was uh, David was a fugitive. Jesus was convicted on multiple accounts in multiple courts. Your Jesus, Paul was always in jail. That's I, a whole topical study in and of itself. <laughs> okay, John is <laughs> is exiled from the, by the government. 
This goodness is, gracious, pri- man. Prison, prison might be it. I'm just no, 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 no. I'm messing with But Paul was locked up. So, so Paul here is is in prison, and um, now he's writing. He's sitting to write this letter to this church, where someone is sitting in this local community, hearing him, hearing this be read, who formerly jailed him. Yep. Yeah. This Philippian jailer. Oh, man. And he hears about him being jailed again. Can you imagine all the emotions that he goes yeah. through yeah. as he's hearing about Paul being in prison again? But he did, here's what he hears from Paul thematically throughout the book. Rejoice. Hey, hey, have it and do it. Have joy and do rejoicing. That's, that's the. Th- that's it. That's the whole thing. That That is the theme. This is why we've asked you all to study joy and rejoice, because if you studied it, you're going to see it show up over and over and over again. And, and Pastor John, I just want to be very clear that, you know, of course, we're simply reviewing for people what they heard us teach <laughs> last year That's what I was about to say. through the book of Philippians. <laughs> so, so this is just a review. Of course, you already know all of these things. They got all the notes that we just talked all about written notes. in their Bible. Exactly. Exactly. So that exactly. took. Their, their study time last week wasn't 42 hours. It was 15 minutes right, because we had already, said, oh, I already got this. We'd I already worked that. through all but, of this. But but I want to be clear that this is the, you got to remember, real people, real place, real circumstances. Mm-hmm. Paul is the, you know, they don't have a completed Bible. Mm-hmm. And he ain't trying to write one. He's just writing letters to people he loves. And. He he knows he's being inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak to them, to to talk to them about doctrine and practice and all of those things. And under the push, the the pull, the the empowerment of the Holy Spirit from jail mm. to people in all walks of life who are sharing a common suffering. He wants to emphasize, and when when you start doing this word study, you're going to start count, 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 count. All the times he says, joy, rejoice, joy, rejoice, joy, rejoice. Mm -hmm. There is no clearer message to the Philippians and therefore to all of us that circumstance should not, cannot, for believers, control our joy. That's it. I mean, that's just. That's the bottom line. That's the. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the, it, the it's I mean, it is crystal. clear. This is not mysterious at all. Mm-mm. Now, there are some revelatory, incredible mysteries of God revealed. But that one is crystal clear mm. that this thing is about a guy in jail mm. who's paying for his own, which is the, the context of the letter. They send him a love gift so he can help pay for his own imprisonment. He, mm. he put some on his books. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and and he's saying thank you. And the. And the idea of the, is this is this personal joy mm. that he wants to become a or continue to grow as a mutual joy yeah. between he and this church and community. Yeah. yeah, because for Paul, joy isn't abstract; Mm-mm. it's experiential. Mm-hmm. It's something that he's experiencing. So now he can say, "Hey, look, yeah, yeah. If I'm rejoicing in these situations, right. in these circumstances, then I want to encourage you all to be able to rejoice because." I find my my joy in one place in Christ, mm-hmm. right? So we asked you all to read chapter one, verses one through 30. And in the interest of time, I'm just going to highlight the ones that we're going to look at here for joy in this passage. 
Uh, Paul writes the greeting in the first several verses, a couple of verses, and then he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, of you always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy, mm-hmm. with joy. We see joy show up there in the text. And then it shows up also in verse number 25. Uh, this is after he tells them that what has really happened to me has served to advance the gospel itself. I'm I'm in here ministering to the Roman Imperial Guard, mm-hmm. the folks who are in charge. Yeah, they're hearing the gospel. Right. So I, my chains are, are going to be in Christ here. So yeah. so he says um, he knows that he's hard pressed. His desires to depart and be with Christ, but mm-hmm. he knows to be to remain is more beneficial for them. And then he says um, in verse number 26, convinced of this, me remaining with you, I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and your joy in the faith. So we see joy show up there twice there, but then it shows up five times throughout the book of Philippians. So Mm -hmm. as a total times in that same book, we see it show up five times that word joy. And we haven't even hit rejoice yet. We're just talking about joy here. And so Paul also uses joy 21 times in all his other letters. So if anything, Paul reflects on joy a ton in his epistles and his letters. Right. Yeah. Um, So he uh, let's look at Romans 14. As he's describing the kingdom of God here. My page is turned louder because my Bible is bigger. <laughs> so that's a real Bible, church. That's a real Bible. <laughs> go get you, go get you one of them. <laughs> oh man! Woo, Lord, have mercy on Okay, so um, four seventeen. Let's see what I'm going to do here with this one because I got all my uh, my keywords in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to read sixteen. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but a word that we had last week, right of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy spirit. So he's describing the kingdom of God here as these three components, righteousness, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy spirit, Mm -hmm. in the Holy spirit here in this text. It's, 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 so when I when you look at it in Philippians and the and the consistent use of it throughout that very short epistle five times joy, when you look at it throughout the body of his writing, what you realize is joy, and we can add the Galatians mm-hmm. five as a fruit of the spirit. Um, joy could be considered hmm. only secondary to love as a clear characteristic of what it looks like to actually be redeemed mm-hmm. that the that people who are actually redeemed one of the family traits <laughs> as it were yeah is joy mm-hmm. and i think that's why the devil fights us so hard there mm-hmm. i think i think i think i think the devil intends to make us selfish so that we don't act in love and intends to keep us distracted so that we don't experience yeah. the joy that is already present just as being believers. That's good. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so consistent in the writings and 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 and, and it's 
uh, replete in New Testament. When you're looking at Paul, it's as he is establishing Christian doctrine, and this is what a believer looks like, and this is what a believer ought to do. Mm. Joy is always at the top of the list. Mm. You know, like right behind love the Lord your yeah. God with yeah. all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Then the kingdom looks like joy. Believers have joy. Mm. Believers should possess joy. They should pray with joy. They, mm. You know what I mean? When I think about I'm here for your joy. Wow. All of those joy is a it's a it's a non-negotiable characteristic of the believer's life and experience. And when we are not experiencing it, mm. it is something distracting, something hindering. It's not that it's not present. Mm. It's that we're not allowing it to mm. flourish as it were. So Paul is saying the absence of joy also means the absence of the kingdom of God, yeah. which yeah. is really, really uh, convicting. Yeah, because we are supposed to carry that, mm-hmm. carry that around with us. Yeah. yeah, and that and that 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 makes this not some selfish, personal. I just want to feel good. This is not this is not um, uh, an an anesthetic. Uh, or 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 or, uh, or anesthetizing rather, um, is not anesthesia for life's problems. Mm. It is it is what gives us victory over them. That's good. That's you good. know, it's it's not that I don't feel. It's that I experience something higher than my feelings. Mm. Yeah, that's what that's that's joy. Yeah, that's joy and. It's in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Eva. Right. Thank yeah. you, Lord. <laughs> Got to have that prepositional phrase my, my, my. there. <laughs> in the Holy Ghost. You know, the, the yielded life, the, the mm. spirit-focused, spirit-led, spirit-yielded life yeah. is where that joy, when I, I feel it, but then there's something higher. Yeah. You know. That's good. So I want you all to also write down, for the purpose of time, First Thessalonians 1, 6, where um, the, Paul says that the Thessalonian church received his words with great affliction and joy mm. there's a there's <laughs> just gonna write that down we're not gonna deal with it just write it down we're not gonna work on that yes but but that just reflects what paul is even dealing with here affliction and joy <laughs> Ooh. are co-laborers mm-hmm. for the people of god yeah um, we so. don't we don't have time for romans 5 to say that and that's on the rejoice side mm. we rejoice in mm. tribulation but mm. yeah yeah those two things work together okay so so let's hit the, the, the old testament here real quick uh talk about old testament usage uh of that word for joy which is samha and it is found in first samuel chapter 18 and david is uh returning here from successful battle with the uh with your boy Goliath and his crew. So we are now talking about post Philistines being um, the battle being won against the Philistines. And now David returns and then something happens in the city mm-hmm. as he returns. So this is that first instance of joy in the old Testament where you see this feeling of jubilation over victory mm. for victory over your enemies. Mm. And you see that over and over again in the Old Testament, they use this word for joy. Whenever there's a victory over enemies, there's this overwhelming sense of jubilation. Yeah, jubilation. Yeah, yeah. there's a there's a, and jubilation is not. I I, I want to be clear that 
when you look see it in scripture, it's not just like, "Woo, that's nice." <laughs> you know, it's not like, mm, I, I, this ice cream is pretty good." This is rah rah sis boom ba. This is pep rally, mm. horns blaring, drums beating, dancing, streamers, tambourines, mm. um, full on praise party shout. Ain't he all right? Mm. This is this is you know what I'm saying, mm. um, and it is in the scripture over and over and over and over again. And um, Pastor John, I, read, read, read it because I, you know, okay. there's a. Um, so this is verse number six. It says, and as they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. Now there's there's a little bit of petty in this joy. There's a lot of well <laughs> well see here's what we gotta get. Here's what we gotta get. I don't have I, we can't deal with this passage because we talk about Philippians. But I I we joy involves both the when it talks about with musical instruments, it's really a three stringed mm-hmm. instrument, so it's like a, a harp guitar y kind of thing situation. So you got melody and then you have a beat with the tambourines. Mm. Um, so you're talking about syncopation uh, or, or steady beat, and then you got melody. And so they, they come out, and this song is an interesting song. Saul was slain his thousands. David is tens of thousands. Now, we know how music affects Saul already. Already. Because when the troubling spirit from the Lord would come upon him, David would come with the string <laughs> Say, joint. Come play me a song. And, and play it off of it. <laughs> Uh, to ease his mind so he could go to sleep. So we know Saul's impacted by music. Mm. Saul is slain his thousand David's sins. What if, Pastor John, and this is not just, I'm just throwing this out here. What if, perhaps, what if they weren't throwing off on Saul? Mm. What if Saul could have seen the song as a continuation of his success mm. rather than something competing with it? Hmm. Hmm. What if what if the kingdom is supposed to be ever burgeoning, ever expanding, ever moving from thousands to tens of thousands as it flourishes and grows from generation to generation? What if the generations behind us are supposed to do more than we have done? Hmm. And what if it is not a negation of what we have done, but an affirmation of what we have done? So why did Paul, why did Saul see that as a threat? Because he was whack. <laughs> he was, and he wanted to hold on longer. Yeah. Then he and he had been rejected, and he knew he was rejected. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't hear it with spiritual ears because he could only hear it with the ears of one who had been rejected. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there was a personal insecurity, obviously, mm-hmm. that that went along with it, knowing that um, he had violated the will of God. Now, you know, I often wondered. I, I think great questions. This is this let's all back all the way up to asking questions phase. What if Saul had just said, you know what, David, you got it now. Right. Let me mentor you. Let me shape you. What, mm. Knowing the God we serve and the redemptive mm. instinct of that God, had he just said, hey, man, let me shape you. Let me let me get you ready. That's a different legacy for him. Yeah. That's a different legacy yeah. for him. We, and I think a lot of leaders struggle with that same truth, that same reality in terms of succession and legacy, developing other folks so that they could thrive even while you're still in the same environment. Yeah, yeah. You can, okay. you can, I'm and, and here's, here's what I want to get to. Here's what I'm, I'm saying all that to say. I'm not off topic. I'm saying all that to say, 
that you got to think something is wrong with you. Mm-hmm. If everybody else is having joy and you're the only one joyless. Listen, I've seen the whole church is in an uproar of celebration and adoration and thanks be to God and hallelujah and glory to God. The whole church is learning and writing and taking notes and and growing and the, it, and then it's like the two over here and one over there. That's <laughs> right. just like, I don't know. I don't think. Maybe you're the problem, Saul. Mm. Maybe you are caught up in your thousands mm. and you're missing that God is the God of the 11,000. You got one, David got 10, but it's all God. Mm. Collectively, God is at work. Yeah. And you're part of that. And you have a part of it. Mm. If you will have a part of it. Mm. But when you've always been the whole, and then God begins to partition it up and say, yeah. I don't need you to carry this burden alone. Yeah. But I, I want other people to carry it along with you. Then that's when you understand that 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 multiplication. Yeah. That even J- Jesus understood himself. Jesus said, "It's better that I go, because I can only be in one place at one time. One, yeah. But I'm gonna send my Spirit, who's gonna be with y'all. And then when y'all scatter, I'll be everywhere at the same. Then greater work. You, so, I've done some stuff, but greater works than these. Wait till they see what y'all gonna do. So show you do that." We're studying joy. What kind of joy mm. would you have if you would let someone else get the 10,000 celebration mm. and be satisfied with your thousands? That's the question. Yeah. That's the question. Yeah. And, and that's what we see here in First Samuel 18. Can we contrast it? Can I come back to Philippians 1? Let's do it. Because Paul is going to have an opportunity to be Saul. In Philippians yeah, 1. You're right. Yep. He's going to have an opportunity to be Saul in Philippians 1. In verse 12, Philippians 1, 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so, it, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. These are David's. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that, I can be Saul slaying thousands, he and said, y'all can y'all can be David with tens. That's the part that confounds me. In that, me. I rejoice. He's he's saying that whether in pretense or truth, it don't matter to me because we, <laughs> we don't have time for this. But 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 preaching and ministry and church and all of this and life, all of that's the Spirit's work, mm. Mm. and so. If anything good happens out of it, that's the spirit anyway. <laughs> that's God. That's it. All that's God's glory. So it, even when people are are have bad motives, God can have good outcomes. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and and maturity is what allows him to come to that place of saying rejoice. Yeah. Or it's what keeps Saul from participating in this very public expression of joy. Mm. And it's what allows Paul to experience joy and to rejoice. Mm. 
same kind of scenario. Mm. Others progressing ahead of me, beyond me, outside of me. Mm. God at work outside of my space, mm. outside of my control. So, so, so don't see the song being sang as a threat. No, no. But seeing it as God being at work in the midst of God's Because David is not your enemy, Saul, unless you make him so. Mm. Y'all aren't in competition. The, king, the kingdom in competing with the kingdom. We fighting the devil, as, or supposed to be. We supposed to be fighting the devil. Let's look at Ezra. Yeah, yeah. Come on, <laughs> let's keep going. I'm on. This this session is going to be about joy. Yeah, my my my. Yeah. And we're going to do rejoice next go yeah, around. We'll, we'll, we'll come <laughs> That's back what we're going to do. That's yeah. what we're going to do. All right, let's look at Ezra. We're going to have the same conversation. <laughs> you again, <laughs> same joint. The same exact conversation. Same exact conversation. So uh, this is Ezra chapter three after the rebuilding of the temple. Mm-hmm. And oh, it ha- has such a profound impact on these folks. Right. As, so so they've been taking away the bondage. Um, people of God. Now, the some of them have come back and the first project is to rebuild the temple. So mm-hmm. Babylon has taken them out. Persia has conquered Babylon now and Cyrus has let them go back. First thing is to rebuild the temple. So they start rebuilding the temple, but they don't have all the juice that they used to have when Solomon was alive. They ain't got the money like that. Right. They don't have the military like that. They don't have the materials. So they do what they can with what they got. And when they lay the foundation, it just ain't as big. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So, so let's look at what happens here in the text. I'm going to start at verse number 10. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple, the priests in their vestments came forward with trumpets and the Levites and the sons of Asaph with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the directions of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsibly, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever towards Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised. And the Lord, because the foundation of the house was laid, but many of the priests and Levites, heads of the fathers, houses of houses, old men who old had old men who had who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid laid, though many shouted aloud with joy, so that the people could not distinguish. Man, oh my goodness, <laughs> this is so good. The yeah. sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout, and the sound was heard far away. Goodness gracious. How long we got? How much time? How much time? Okay. We're not, this is, this is, this is how we study. This is how you do a word study. Mm. So, so how is it used in the Old Testament? We see it again because it's going to amplify Philippians 1 again. It is. We see it again. Some people see the smaller foundation in competition with the big old temple Solomon built, mm-hmm. which wasn't ever God's idea anyway. In the first place. That was David's idea, yeah. and God let Solomon build it. And it was nice. It was cute, y'all. It was big and, and, and gold. It was all kind of stuff. But God wasn't that 
hype on it. He let them have it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He let them have it. Um, God wasn't that hype on it because God let it get burned down. Because <laughs> that mm-hmm. wasn't, you know what I mean? His thing was, I want you. I don't want the building. Mm-hmm. And if I don't have you, then what good is the building? That's that's what that was. So so when they started turning, Solomon started, then his successors and sons started turning to idols and doing all God said, all right, Nebuchadnezzar, you can have that. Go burn it down. So now come back home. Let's remember what the purpose of the meeting place was, which mm-hmm. was to be that, a meeting place with God, not a point of pride. Yeah. St. Mark. Come on. A meeting place with God, not a point of pride. Anyway, let's also get back to the relational aspect of it. So we don't need all the bells and whistles and, and big ornate we need to be grateful that we got a place to meet with God. So the new generation who's born in Babylon or who were very young when they were taken out, hey, we got a place to meet with God again. We got a place. It also reaffirms national identity where we are who we are. It's a place of, of belonging. You know what I'm saying? It's a place where they can um, offer their sacrifice to God freely and, and, and be who they are as a nation. Mm-hmm. But them old, there's an old mindset. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I like it, man. I like it because he doesn't. He doesn't. Conv- he doesn't convict everybody. It doesn't. Verse twelve. Many of them. Many of the other of the old ones who saw the old joint. Mm. They were the ones lamenting what they. Oh, we don't. Ha- it's not as big as it used to be. Well, it ain't gonna be what it was, mm. and it's not supposed to be. Mm. And if we had time to do another comparative analysis on, on this text, we would read Haggai say, "Man, the glory of the latter house." It's gonna be. I'm gonna be more present in the small joint than I was in the bigger thing. That's the the crazy part about it is everybody is crying, but for different reasons. Yeah, and and the text says it's hard to even distinguish. Yep, who's crying over what for used what, to be, right? As opposed to who was crying to what God is doing right now. Yeah. in the midst of God's people. Yeah. And and not being able to distinguish that and see people just crying. Yeah. It's just seeing that in the text is just mind blowing to me because you have people who are in the community of faith seeing God doing something new and they are crying because they long for what God was doing before. And here's here's what I wanna here's what I wanna get to. The 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 joy here that relates to joy in Philippians one is that they are lamenting, they are weeping, crying about the wrong stuff when joy is available. Right there. Right there. Because mm. God is active. God is at work. The people are free. Mm. The, the, the temple is being rebuilt. You know what I'm saying? It's right there for you to. Joy is a present. It's a part of the kingdom in the Holy Ghost, according to Romans. Mm. And did we just read that? It's right there it's for you. It's one of the characteristics of the kingdom in the Holy Ghost. It's right there for you mm. to grasp, to experience, to hold on to, to become your prevailing um, spiritual reset point mm. is to be joyful, is to have joy. Mm. But instead, when we start comparing, when we start thinking that potential is in the past. My friend Corey Hodges says there's no potential in the past. Mm. You know what I mean? Oh, I wish we, it ain't like it was. It, it's, it, well, I remember when, well, listen, <laughs> it's, memories are fine mm. unless they're keeping you from joy 
mm. in what's happening now. That's good. If you can look back on things fondly, that's fine. But if you look back on things longingly, mm. you're going to miss your joy. Because mm. we can't go back. God, God is not, there is no potential back there. That's good. And that, when I'm reading Philippians, when I'm reading Romans, when I'm looking at Saul missing his joy, when I'm looking at these older persons, some of them who won't grasp the new thing God is doing here, and therefore missing out on a joyful experience as well, that's the, the connection is it's there. It's available. Yeah, it's good. available. It's, it's your interpretation of the experience mm. that's going to determine your experience of it. Mm. That's good. So, so I want to look at New Testament, New yeah. Testament passage as we get ready to close here so we can kind of make the connection here. Um, and we're going to look at Mark chapter number four. And this is this is the parable of the sower. Mm-hmm. And it tells us something interesting about joy that really connects with um, the passage in Philippians, because as Jesus is telling the parable of the sower and he talks about the seed, which is the word of God being, and he interprets this later in the text, and he tells us exactly what it is, so we don't have to guess what we this parable is. We don't have to figure it out. Thank We've you, done Jesus. done a session on parables. <laughs> Go back and watch that one. This, you don't got to guess on this. This one. is a literal, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> like, thank you, Jesus, not abstractly. Thank you personally, Jesus, for yeah. explaining this to us. Yeah. So, so he talks about uh, one set of people um, here in the text, and he says that these are the ones who are sown on rocky ground verse number 16 in chapter 4 the ones who when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy yep and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while then here's what happens to the joy when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word immediately yeah they fall away they fall away they fall away so so here we see they hear it Mm-hmm. with joy and and immediately they have that sense of joy but then tribulation persecution paul's writing from jail here yep so he could be in that category he he could he could he has the potential yeah john this is when context matters mm. jesus's use of joy here he's illustrating Parables illustrate the kingdom of God, the, the, the coming, the reign that has come and is coming and is to come of Christ. And we see that joy does not live in isolation no. in the kingdom. Mm. And this joy is not the full expression of kingdom joy, mm. righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Ghost. This is not. This is a an experience, yeah. but not a characteristic. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They receive it with there is a joyful response mm-hmm. that I, that Jesus seems to intimate is genuine. Yeah, yeah. But it's just not rooted. Yeah. So so there's even joy appears in both of those texts, but there's a different connotation a different, and meaning here. Yeah. There's a different aspect that this is an unrooted. There's an experience, and I think. People have people have experienced that. I've known people who say, Pastor, I just come to church and it used to I used to experience and I know that mm. I, and I met with God and something happened, but I just don't I just don't and they walk away from the faith even. That's what Jesus is talking about. When he's talking about falling away, it's literally stumble mm. or the idea of apostasy, a person who walks away from the faith. Mm. That someone can have experienced 
genuine, real joy, mm. but it is not an anchored, rooted joy mm. because they have not cut themselves off or <laughs> segregated themselves from caring about the things of this world. Mm. And, and so let's let's talk about what Jesus is getting at, at the root here as we look at John chapter 15. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And we see exactly what it is that he's getting at because yes. we see these people sown on this ground that isn't what he's going to talk about here in this text, mm-hmm. man. In John chapter 15, this yep. is the I am the true vine text where yep. Jesus encourages us to remain rooted in him being the true vine yeah. and us being branches. Yep. And there's a purging that happens in the text. But look at what ultimately happens in verse number 11 here. As he says, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full, full or fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Complete. Yeah. Yeah. That it that that the Mark passage speaks of a real joy, Mm. but not a full Mm. because it's not rooted in anything. Other than that initial experience in the in receiving the word, mm, mm, mm. you can enjoy the word, yeah, but not be rooted in Christ. Yeah, that's good. It, it's that's what Mark four says. Jesus says beyond that. That's listen. That's why, Pastor John, we're doing this whole series exactly so that why. you're not just coming on Sundays or listening to us on 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 Bible study or podcast and enjoying the word without being rooted in christ that's good your personal life your personal devotional life your personal study life your personal prayer life Mm -hmm. your faith are the evidences of a real concrete being rooted yeah in christ Mm -hmm. people can listen you can enjoy our teaching enjoy our, our study and our banter and all of those things but you got to get rooted in order to have this full mm. joy. Yeah. And and this is the full joy that Paul expresses to the Philippian church. Why is it that Paul can sit in a prison yeah. and actually articulate that his joy here is a joy that is undescribable and full in Christ? Yeah. That he can write to this church and say, even though I'm arrested, even though I'm under Roman persecution, even though I don't know if I'm going to die any moment here mm-hmm. as I get ready to move towards the trial. And we knew ultimately he is yeah. martyred. Yeah. Paul still is able to sit in and rest in this fullness of joy. That's a different kind of joy. And, and that, that's a different kind of and joy. John, so much so that he says, I'm going to stay. I, I want to go to be with Christ, but mm-hmm. I'm going to stay mm-hmm. for your joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going to stay around to help you get to this place that I'm in, in terms of joy. Wow. 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 And so let's close with first John, uh, as he's writing here. Um, he, he, he starts his text by saying, listen, we experienced this thing Mm -hmm. and we've been around him. Uh, that which was from the beginning, verse one says, which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, looked upon and touched with our hands. We talked about this before, but yeah, they wasn't following some some myth that they had made up. No, this man. was something that was tangibly real for them that yeah. they were willing to be persecuted in the midst of all of that. And I mean, 
not just electric chair, gas chamber. These are not humane ways of being persecuted. Head cut off was the most humane way. That's what we believe Paul experiences because he's a Roman citizen. But these people were literally tied to horses and pulled apart. Mm -hmm. Their limbs pulled apart, boiled in oil, burned at the stake. These things actually physically happened to these people who proclaimed Christ. Crucified, Peter says, do me upside down because I can't, I don't deserve to be right side up like Jesus was. Wow. Um, they they were, I mean, tortured. They were flailed, skinned. They were skinned alive. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. For the sake of God. John said, man, we're not playing with this thing. This is why I believe him. <laughs> This is why I believe them, because there's no reason to go through that if it ain't right, if it ain't real, if you didn't actually see it. But they know he got up from the dead. Yeah, We saw, John said, no, Jack, we saw him die. We know he was dead, and then we saw him alive. And we know it was real because we got to touch him, and we got to eat with him. Mm. Mm. We know it's real. Yeah. And, and then look at what, what John says here as we get ready to close. He says, and we are writing these things so that our joy mm -hmm. may be complete. Now, some manuscripts say your, your joy. Yeah. But I actually like both. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's the hour and your. It's, yes, it's, yeah. it's in the same way that I would, I would say to the church. Hmm. St. Mark, take care of your church. Yeah. And I mean ours. Yeah. Or I would say take care of our church. Yeah. And I mean all of ours. Yeah. Not mine excluding you. Yeah. It's collective. So either way, mm -hmm. the meaning is the same. We're writing because we get joy and you get joy. Mm -hmm. And and again, Paul, when we go back to Philippians, look at rejoice. Mm -hmm. There's a communal re reality to that, mm -hmm. that, that God has created the church to share this joy communally in such a way mm -hmm. that when we get together, it ought to be a joy meeting every time. And that's what... Paul says in Romans 1 16 he says so that we may be mutually encouraged in the mm -hmm. faith so he's writing this not just for just their joy mm -hmm. but as he's writing it man he, he he's he's being lifted his spirit is being lifted and that's that's what that communal communal joy is all about yeah it really is yeah. it really yeah. is we can press on <laughs> all right man so we we're gonna do rejoice next we're go gonna round. Do rejoice next week yeah hopefully this was a good session on joy and we definitely look forward to next go round as we hit rejoice in this particular text we'll do a little bit more word study for y'all yeah well thank you all for joining us for this episode of the growth factor podcast we want to ask you all just to do us a favor and go over and follow our community over on facebook we have a growth factor community that's a growing community over there and we love for you to be part of that community we ask for you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so or encourage other people to subscribe we'd love for you all to continue to listen to our episodes as we help you all study scripture in this season as we make it make sense we're grateful for our community continuing to tune in each and every week as we all continue to grow together in christ and in god's word next week we're going to explore the rejoice portion of this text so you don't want to miss it we're looking forward to doing that we'll see you all next go round this has been the growth factor a broadcast ministry of saint mark baptist church be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and join our Facebook group, The Growth Factor, for daily motivational content. Let's keep the conversation going. Thank you for listening.